1: Good morning. We had some tif- technical difficulties this morning so we're starting late and we didn't weren't able to give you our intro. <laughs> I'm going to do everything Bazonkerville and I made the decision this morning to wear my wonky glasses because you know what you live life and it's short and uh, why not. So I'm thrilled to be here with you. I'm Shannon Penrod and you have found yourself at Autism Live such as it is this morning. Uh, We started last Wednesday having catastrophic um, technical difficulties with Zoom, and it's taken all weekend, all week and all weekend to figure out what exactly was going on. And while the problem was solved at two minutes after 10, all the things that we do for the show have to be re-uploaded. So forgive us. We're going to be very Autism Live light today, but we're still here. And you're still here. And that is everything, my friends. It is absolutely everything. I, um, I wanna remind you that you still can watch us live on, I believe that we are live right now on YouTube and Facebook and Periscope and Twitter. And uh, I believe that you can still write into our live feature right now. Uh, that's at autism-live.com. You can be watching the show there too. And there is a live feature that's totally anonymous. Some of the other places where you can write in to the live show are not so anonymous, right? People can see that it's you asking the question. That's okay, as long as you're okay with it, right? Uh, we're gonna try to answer as many questions as we can today on the show with the time that we have. If you can see us, write it and tell us that you're here so that I know that we are actually getting the signal pumped out, because it's, it's been a stressful morning. you can see my hair is standing on end. Uh, so, Um, We love it when it's interactive here because that's really what this whole show is about. We're gonna be with you for the next approximately hour talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective because that's what we do. Our mission here is to provide inspiration and information and we're gonna be doing that uh, throughout the show. It's a reminder to me today that you plan, you do things and it's never quite what you expect it's gonna be, right? Um, particularly poignant to all of us on this morning because there's a lot that you plan to be doing this week. Six months ago, there were a lot of things that were on your agenda and things that you plan to do, and that's not what it's like today. And um, there, there's a lot going on in the world. And as I've said, and I'm gonna to continue to say that here at Autism Live, I and here at all of us at Autism Live support Black Lives Matter. And we support the protesters that are in the streets and we do not, um, we're we're not fans of looting or damage. Um, But here at Autism Live, we understand the behavior is communication. And when you don't give people um, an opportunity to communicate, we cannot be shocked when there is challenging behavior, right? But the answer to that is to find a better way to communicate. And then the challenging behavior goes away. And we all have to take responsibility uh, for finding a better way to communicate. And we want to do better here at Autism Live. I want to do better here at Autism Live. Also want to give you an update. We still need prayers for our dear friend, Joanne Laura, who it appears is getting ready to um, at some point not be here with us. And so please, I know it's devastating to me. I can't even get my head wrapped around it, but please say a prayer for Joanne as she finds a way to dance into the next chapter. Um, we'll be talking more about that um, this week, but Joanne, if you can hear me wherever you, where, whatever state of conscious you're in, love you so, and we'll continue the work that you started. Um, I said a lot going on, right? Uh, all right, uh, we hope that you'll interact with us here because that's what we need to do. We need to keep moving on. That's what Joanne would want us to do. I can hear her right now saying the work is the important thing, right? So, okay, lovely. We have people who've written in and said that they can see us. Uh, Somebody from Riverside, hello, just joined the page. Can you tell me what today's topic is? Yeah. Uh, So on Mondays, uh, we like to start with something called the jargon of the day. We're gonna do that in a second. Then, and we'll give you the topic for the week. Our guest today is going to be Bonnie Yates. She's a special education attorney. She's going to be answering your questions. We all have a lot of questions about what's happening um, with extended school year, what's happening in the fall, how we get our kids caught up from what they may have missed from the, you know, being in this isolation and, and this distance learning. How, so we're always looking for how do we get our kids caught up, and how do we get our kids um, the best education that they possibly can get. So Bonnie is going to be here with us talking about the legal ramifications of that, and we'll we'll do all that. But first, we're going to start with the jargon of the day. We're not able to show it to you on the screen because we're limping along here this morning technically. But our we do the jargon of the day because it's like learning hmm, another language. And I don't know about you, but I, you know. Certainly, when my child was diagnosed with autism, I was like, you know, like this is a whole other world for me to learn, and I got to learn another language. Are you are you kidding me? Can we just talk in like a parlance that I understand? Um, and I learned. It took me two years. I learned that the jargon was important because it was specific and it was a shorthand. You know, I used to be a waitress. Oh my gosh, Traven, you got it working. He's nothing short of a, a miracle. It was there and then it was gone. But uh, you, you could see that today's jargon term is tact. And we're not talking about, you know, saying the politically correct thing. Uh, we're talking about the term, the verbal operant tact, right? Throwing some more jargon at you with the verbal operant thing. Um, but I, I want to just say this, that um, when you make friends with the jargon, I believe if it's good jargon and you get good information about it, it's going to save you time and money. So that's what we try to do here is, is save you some time and money and um, tell you what these terms are. We give you the actual definition. We make fun of it whenever possible. And if you, I, I can tell you what the working definition of tact is, but I won't have the actual definition memorized. So if Traven's able to get it back for us, we'll take a look at it. But um, okay, let's talk about tact and verbal operants. So um, I don't, I've ne- I have still, I'm fuzzy on the term uh, verbal operant but I know that there's a bunch of different things called verbal operants that we need to be able to do to fully have command of communication. And I'm not just talking about spoken communication, right? Talking about just functional communication, which involves speaking for some people. So tact is one of our verbal operants. Let's go ahead, Trayvon, because you're amazing. Let's look at what the actual definition for tact is. Let's see if we can't make fun of this. Uh, So tact is a verbal operant, there we go, evoked by nonverbal discriminative stimulus, there we go, and followed by generalized condition reinforcement. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. If ever there was a definition we could make fun of, how much jargon is in here? Like, honestly, if you don't have a degree in psychology or an ABA, this is useless, right? Right? And I gotta be honest, tact is one of the harder things to understand because once you start talking about tact, the BCBAs will say to you, well, is it a pure tact or an impure tact? And then you can feel the nails in your forehead, right? Uh, Okay, so let's go on to our working definition and see if we can't make heads or tails of this. Uh, So tact is spontaneously labeling or commenting about things that the child child or individual comes into contact with for the purpose of communication. All right, so here's the deal. You know what a tact looks like, you've seen it. It's when, I love to go to Disneyland and I love to watch the, the neurotypical one and a half and two year olds, kind of makes me lose my mind and it's like picking at a scab that really hurts. But it's fascinating to me to watch these kids do things that we took years to teach my child, right? Um, This is why I refer to um, speech um, as a miracle. And, um, and, And I used to do a radio show called Everyday Autism Miracles because the miracle of teaching a child to speak, whew, So tacting is when a kid is somewhere with someone and they notice something and they look at it and they point or they say, they label it, Um, but they're not just doing it because they're by themselves and they're like, oh, look, you know, at Disneyland, it's like Mickey Mouse, right? They see Mickey Mouse and they, oh, Mickey Mouse, right? And they point when when they don't have the words um, but when they are when they have a little bit more words, they will point and go mao, right? They'll, they'll do the approximation. But it's not in a vacuum. And this is the important thing about a tact, because they're not just pointing at it to do it by themselves. It's not a solitary act. Tacting is for the purpose of, it's like trying to touch something that's in the environment to say, hey, you, look at this with me. It is is part of that triangle of joint attention that we talk about here on the show. So the child looks and, and points and goes boom, right? But they want someone else that's with them to notice the balloon too. Now, why is that important? Because that step is the beginning of all social communication. For the kiddo, a lot of times kiddos are not keyed into joint attention, especially on the spectrum. And so they may notice the balloon or the giraffe or the Mickey mouse or whatever, but it's an internal event for them. And they're not trying to say, Hey, have that interactive moment of, Hey, it's a giraffe. So that mom goes, Oh, it's a giraffe. And then we're having this triangle of attention where we're all like so excited that it's a giraffe. Right. Um, It is the ground floor cement base, of everything that builds social social communication after that. But there's a lot involved in that. First of all, the kid has to notice new things coming into their environment, right? And for some kids, what's happening in their head is more exciting than anything that we could bring into the environment. So we gotta work hard to make something in the environment there that's enough that they take notice of it. We have to teach them to be able to point and to label it, whether it's with an icon or pressing a button on a, an assisted communication device or vocal speech, right? but we, So we have to teach them to notice it. We have to teach them to label it and throw it out there because we want it to be reinforcing for them that when they throw it out, it, it comes back, it's like, it's, it's like a boomerang, right? So that they go, oh, it's a balloon. And somebody else goes, yeah, it's a balloon and makes it reinforcing for our kids so that they learn, oh, this triangle thing pays off, right? I want to do this triangle thing. So how do you teach tacting? Well, this is where we get into the impure attacks because um, if, you're, if you have to prompt a tact, it's not a pure tact. Right, So if you have to say, look, do you see the balloon? And now the child goes balloon, not a pure tact. It's still good, it's still building that base, right? but we wanna get them to the point where they do it themselves, that spontaneously labeling that you see on the screen there. I loved when um, there was one year for Christmas after my son had lost his language that we went and drove around and looked at the lights and he sat very quietly in his car seat. And he said nothing, pointed nothing, did nothing. And then um, that was right before he was diagnosed. And then we started ABA therapy and they started heavily rewarding this kind of behavior. And the next year for Christmas, my mom came to visit early because I said he's at a really good place right now and we're starting, you know, language is ballooning and she wanted to be there for that. And we drove around to look at the lights and we lived in a place that had lots and lots of lights. And he would say, whites, whites. And he would just get so excited. And every time we would drive by, by a house, he'd go, whites, whites. And it was great because then my mother, who was in the car with me, she would say, yes. And she would say, look, look at that one. And he'd go, whites, whites. And it was very exciting because it, it was building excitement and a relationship and a language between them. And that's really what we wanna do with tacting is make language this thing that is the beginning of the volleying back and forth. So tact, it's a really good thing. Uh, And it has nothing to do with, for for this purpose, uh, for psychology and ABA, it has nothing to do with, um, are you being politically correct? Tacting is a wonderful thing. Okay, moving on. We always have a question of the day and uh, our question for you today is very simple. What is your favorite place? What is your favorite place? I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're not able to go to their favorite place right now. Um, I would have to say that Disneyland is right up there for me. I love going to Disneyland. And I always say that I never love my husband more than when we we're at Disneyland. Um, because my husband is a big old kid. And he, man, he just has a good time at Disneyland. And it's really, and this goes back to when my son was diagnosed. And the first time we went to Disneyland after he was diagnosed, it was a nightmare on Elm Street. You know what I'm saying? And we ended up leaving in tears because we couldn't wait in the lines. We waited in one line and forever. And they were having problems with the ride. And then the ride shut down right as we got to the front. And he didn't understand. And he started kicking and the, the girl, the little girl in the line behind us. And it was terrible. And, and, and somebody said to us, you know, you need to get control of him. And if you can't, you need to go home. And we did, we just, you know, After paying hundreds of dollars to be there, we went home and I remember crying and saying, I guess we just can't, I guess we can't have what other people have. I guess we can't do the things that other people have that are filled with joy, man, bad day, right? And then somebody told me, you know, there's a different way to do Disneyland. Now it's changed since the days after that, but it's still the happiest place on earth as far as I'm concerned. Um, And I love when we're there because it is an opportunity for my husband and I to just be people and parents and not, not be autism parents. Um, you know, For that not to be our focus and not, not be worried about all the things that we're always worried about. And I've said before, my husband's an actor and he, whenever we go to Disneyland, it's like magic. He always books a job. We always, at some point in the car there or while we're okay. there, uh, he gets a call that he's booked a job. So I really love <laughs> going to Disneyland. But what's your favorite place? And hey, we haven't been able to go to Disneyland over a year. Um, not just because of the, the quarantine, but, um, you know, just life, you know? Um, but, and I have other favorite places too. Um, I love being home in a big way. And boy, have I had the opportunity to do that. But what's your favorite place? Uh, write in and tell us. Because sometimes when we meditate, it's it's very possible, even if you can't get there, in actuality, you can get there in your mind. That's a great thing about our minds. We can take trips wherever we want. We can do all kinds of things. I'm never gonna be an ice skater, right? But I can meditate and I can picture myself being able to do a a double Lutz, right? That's not gonna happen, (laughs) but I can in my mind. And that's a really good thing. I love to visualize and think that I have billions of dollars that I can give away one of my favorite things to meditate on. Uh, Okay, we always have a topic of the week, too, and our topic this week is so particularly poignant to me um, in light of everything that's going on. I love the line in um, Jim Croce's song, Time in a Bottle. Uh, He says, uh, there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them, And I think Time is this very slippery little devil, right? Um, I was saying to somebody the other day about how some people just seem to get so much more done in a day. And that I love that old adage that we all get the same 24 hours that Mother Teresa had. Um, It's just a matter of what you decide to do with them. And I really been thinking about that because my really good dear friend, Joanne Laura, got a lot done in a 24 hour period. Um, She knew how to get some stuff done. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I have learned so much from her about getting things done and what's possible. And so thinking about that and thinking about her and how, you know, the number of hours that she has left here um, is very small. And um, thinking about all of this while we were celebrating my son's 17th birthday on Friday. And people from all over the world were writing in and going, 17, how can that be? It just goes by so fast. And my mother warned me. She said, "You know, when you, when you have kids, time goes by in a blip and you stop measuring time by other things and it tends to be measured by other people's children. Because you don't even notice it in your own kids, but you see somebody else's kid and you go, how on earth did that kid, how is that kid 24 now, right? Um, I just want to remind everybody today that the time you have is the time you have and to use it in the way that you want to. And we're gonna be talking about that all week. Are you using your time the way you want to? I know for a lot of us, we're stuck in circumstances right now that weren't of our making and maybe aren't our favorite thing. I did say to my husband last night, I said, we gotta figure out something fun to do (laughs) because I'm doing a whole lot of work and a whole lot of cleaning and a whole lot of cooking. Uh, we need to do something fun. We need to find time every day to do something that just is pure fun. Um, And for those of you who just been having fun, I mean, my son would argue that he's been playing a lot of video games. He's been having a lot of fun, but he also needs to be, he was also finishing up his classwork and stuff. You know, he also needs to be It's that thing, it's just like your plate, right? You gotta have a a dessert, right? Uh, Dessert's fun, but you need to have some protein too. Um, So there's never enough time. So you've got some right now. Are you using it the way you want to? This is our topic for the week. So, hey, we've got our good friend, Bonnie Yates and um, Trayvon, it's occurring to me. She, I don't know if she's here with us and I don't know if she knows it's the same code. uh, somebody said, uh, we can do it. Good morning. Oh. Hey, Bonnie, is there? Bonnie, how are you?
0: Uh, let me just, sorry. Finish this. I am. Too many me yeah. Messed up IEPs. Scheduling problems. Um, wow. but that's just an, you know, it's just an end of the year thing, right?
1: Yes. Yes, so um, I just asked them the, the question, what's your favorite place? And people are writing in right now. Uh, I said that Disneyland is one of my favorite places. They're telling me that Disney World is open, but I'm not traveling to Florida. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. happening. Uh, somebody else said that they like to go to the cabin by the creek in upstate uh, Pennsylvania, where my son can be himself and still be safe at home. Somebody else said anywhere with a pool. Uh, what about you, Bonnie? Where's your favorite place to be?
0: Boy, that's a i have several favorite places and lately i've been thinking sadly that my desire to travel to mexico which is one of my favorite places is probably going to not be possible for a while um, a another good one is we have a family cabin in the sierras which is probably lovely this year although i don't know if i'm gonna go because i might go back east which is definitely a favorite place because that's where my grandson is. So I guess my I'm, husband, I'm, where, wherever he is, that's my I'm husband. Sure, sorry. I, I fully expected
1: that to be your answer, anywhere where I'm sitting directly underneath my yeah. grandson, Yeah. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing. I'm so excited for you that that's, that, that has come to
0: pass in your life. Uh, yes, I have my favorite place is like the floor with him crawling, <laughs> crawling around.
1: I have several good friends that, in the last two years, have become grandparents for the the first time, and I love to watch the trans the transformation that happens uh, to to them because you know they're they're like really driven people, and then it's they're like driven driven, driven and then it's like
0: boop grandchild, <laughs> and and then it all
1: becomes about that. I love it.
0: You know, falling in love with him is the most effortless thing I've done in my entire life. I did nothing. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything, you know? isn't that lovely?
1: So and he and he is a precious little so and so too. So oh, yeah, it not be hard. He's, he's, um, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, okay. So you've had a lot of uh, like I, it, IEP
0: season is supposed to be winding down, but it sounds like it's not. I don't know. It's that you know they're running out of dates and they you know are frustrated with the calendar and stuff like that. I mean, I got. I have a whole bunch of like great IP COVID school closure related material to share with you guys. I don't know if there's more stuff, if we need to save some of this for another day, but um, No, I kinda I kind of would like because the only real question that I have that's
1: pressing right now um, is, is a general one that you've sort of answered before and I think you'll want to address it again. But um but I we forgot to do to, to say all the things that you're oh,
0: coming to we us. We didn't critis- really forget. I was just kind of shining them on um, because of my. <laughs> well, I, I guess, was the one who was chatting. Kathy, of of like you know discussed about the present state of affairs. Uh, Toner Law Offices. I'm lucky enough to work with with seven other great attorneys. We have offices in San Jose. Los Angeles and Irvine, we offer a free consultation to anybody in California. Go to our website and fill it out. If you have a specific legal question, it's probably not going to get answered adequately on this show, and there's no substitute if you've got a problem for a consultation with an attorney in your state, I direct you to www.copa.cop. AA.net, I think most of the attorneys on their list are certainly worthy of um, a consultation with you. So got that out of the way.
1: Yeah, and you're answering things of a general nature.
0: I'm answering things of a, of a general nature generally and things of a specific nature generally. So when you have specifics, you really need to get specific answers. So anyway, that's, that's what we're okay. doing here. Um, so the one and only question that we've had that has
1: come in repeatedly is people saying um, that no esy is being offered, and what what should they do about that? And esy for people who are new to the show or new to autism is extended school year. And um, you know, it, it is interesting to me how, I know the schools are at sea, but it's interesting to me how many people have written in and asked us that question because they genuinely are not being told anything from their school districts.
0: Well, I think this goes back to me saying, you know, I, I have been trying to be vocal about the fact that we um, needed to request IEP meetings this spring after COVID and and due to school closure. And if you had that meeting and you requested extended school year services and they said no, then you're entitled to, excuse me, prior written notice for them from them about why they're not offering ESY services, especially if you're somebody that has had ESY services on your IEP, there's sort of a presumption that you're gonna regress without them. And if you have requested it and they've said no, that's basically the point at which you need to file for due process. I don't think getting the state of California involved in the form of a compliance complaint is probably going to be sufficient. I do think that a filing for due process, maybe just a simple one issue filing would get you a quick like 10 day um, outside time. You'd be in a resolution session with the district discussing how to fix your problem. They might even reach out to you before then. Uh, So you got to get on it, and you got to get on it now.
1: If you never had an IEP
0: meeting in the first place, that's a much more specific question. The answer would be, are there other things in the educational history that would allow you to file for due process now um, just so that you would have somebody respond to you, assuming the IEP team isn't responding to you? If that person wants to send in more specific facts, like did they have an iep and did the district say no to esy and what were the reasons they gave and you know what has happened in the past historically i think we could answer it in a more helpful or meaningful way um, but generally speaking that would be my answer about esy okay uh, so talk to us about some of the stuff that you've got then because I, you've always got your wealth of good information and this is a time just and just my you know it's just my reading the special ed connection um, you know, updates on COVID-19 every week and seeing what they're telling teachers, you know, educators and school administrators and school district attorneys to do. So I just- just, just, Somebody asked,
1: uh, joined late, I don't know what the topic is. So I'm just gonna remind you that we're here with special education attorney, Bonnie Yates. She is talking with us about things that we should know uh, that are cutting edge up to the moment uh, things that are happening with our kids' education in school and, and so on and so forth. Bonnie is with us from Tolner Law Offices, so catching you up. Okay.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm trying to bring materials for the school district to our side of the table so you can hear how they think. And there's there are several categories of, of things they were talking about in the last week or so. First one is set ground rules prior to virtual IEP meeting you think may be contentious. Well, this is interesting. I, I wanna tell you that this, this gets read at the beginning of almost all of my meetings and I don't know how personally to take it or if they do it with everybody, but I'm assuming my IEP meetings gonna be contentious. And I'll also tell you something, they threaten me with shutting down the meeting because sometimes I'm just you know, at a point in my life where I just say what I see or say what I think and sometimes it makes other people uncomfortable. You know that includes calling out people on their tone that call includes calling out the district on the fact that they're going to force me into litigation and they're going to give the same thing and it's going to cost them a lot more money um i had a meeting and they literally threatened to shut down the meeting because of something that you say that's not profanity right because they feel that my tone is confrontational so I had a meeting last week, where they said to me, well, I hope you'll be professional in this meeting, like they called me before the meeting. And when I got into the meeting, I said, you know, asking me to be professional is really misleading because what you're basically saying to me is I don't have any right to advocate strongly for a family that you have put through three eligibility determinations, knowing that their child has autism, knowing that their child has you know, uh, high functioning autism, but he has a lot, a lot of needs. And so you're basically saying, come into the meeting, Bonnie, and be dispassionate about the fact that this isn't fair. And I said, you know, I'm not going to stand down. I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire. And if you think this family shouldn't be upset, you know, you got another thing coming. So don't, you know, don't try to control the dialogue by telling me that I need to be professional. Um, so that's, that's what they're, you know, that's one of the things that comes up at these meetings. So they're saying set ground rules prior to the virtual IEP meeting you think may be contentious. Well, I've had a lot of people complain about the things I've said over the years or complain about my tone. I've never had them shut down a meeting. You know why? Cuz they don't want to reschedule it. That's why. So I don't I don't think you should worry too much, but I'm just going to read you. Well, excuse
1: me though, but wouldn't that also if if your meeting is shut down because your lawyer has said something that's within the confines of that would be
0: wouldn't that be fa- a denial of faith? It'd be a denial of parental participation. There we which, go. I, which, I knew there was a thing. which is a procedural safeguard that you have under the IDEA. So anyway, in this in this scenario, the meeting is already tense and um, an IEP team member, not the mom, says she has to leave early because of an appointment with her daughter. She logs out. The parents see her leave and assume she's hung up on them. Um, parents during this time may be quick to make assumptions. We have to be familiar with the technology and use it in every way we can to ensure that everyone knows what's going on. That's a quote from a school district attorney in the the, uh, state of Ohio. For example, in the scenario above, the team member could have typed a reminder for needing to leave and a goodbye message into the chat box before leaving, or the professional running the meeting could have reminded the group why the team member signed off. Um, So they're telling educators, use these tips to prevent and potentially address contentious virtual IEP meetings. One, seek feedback from the parent before the meeting. So that's basically, they're saying, send them a draft IEP and have them um, assess everything they can in advance of the meeting and send back feedback about uh, the present levels of performance and whether the goals are appropriate and getting- somebody to take the temperature of the parent. Well, I guess it's taking the temperature of the parent, but I highly advise that you do um, give them as much feedback as you can before the meeting, even if there's a potential they'll use it against you. It just seems like it will streamline and sort of better organize the meeting. But but you're right. This, the attorney said, you can spend half the meeting talking about that and not the substance of services and goals. You want to focus your attention, your energy on the substance suggest parents write down and submit any questions they have before the meeting so they can organize their thoughts in advance. This is good for us too, he said it's also evidence that we wanted to participate. Ask parents a few days before the meeting if they have any concerns about using the technology. Uh, they may be embarrassed to tell you they're having trouble, uh, particularly for relationship is already rocky. Record in the prior written notice all your efforts to engage the parents before the meeting. Set the ground rules before the meeting. The professional who is running the meeting should let all attendees know that they will be muted as they join the meeting to prevent people from talking over each other. The host will then unmute each participant as he presents during the meeting and unmute the parents and others when the presenter is ready to take questions. This is a much better approach than saying, Mrs. Smith, if you don't stop interrupting, I'm going to have to mute you, he said. Um, Now, this is interesting. Keep the number of school-based attendees low. So for the first time, the technology is actually pushing them in a direction that we've all been squawking about for years, which is why you need 19 people to overwhelm one poor little set of parents. You know, Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, so they say the reason, I'm sorry, the reason is that it will, misin- it, will, it will minimize the likelihood that a team member who isn't speaking, um, that her, his or her participation will be misinterpreted. For instance, a team member who isn't speaking may be looking down at her notes but appear on the screen to parents as if she's not paying attention or falling asleep. Limiting how many people are in the meeting limits the possibility of something like that happening and setting the parent off. Well, I'm assuming that everybody in these Zoom meetings is doing their, you know, Instacart shopping list. I mean, so, Man. so yeah, it's better. I mean, I think I think less is more generally. Also, keep in mind that if parents have a particularly difficult relationship with a general ed teacher, it may be better not to invite that person to the meeting if there are other teachers who can participate. Uh, Remotely, that teacher may still be a trigger. At the same time, remember that the parents can invite someone with knowledge or special expertise regarding their child to the meeting, but you can ask to reschedule the meeting with your attorney, this is to the school district, if the parents have given their attorney access without warning you, which is true. That's why you have to always let them know in advance if you're going to bring an attorney to the IEP meeting. Should I keep going? Yeah. they say um, explore mediation comma facilitation. Uh, that's something which we've talked about a little on the show, the districts usually have informal mediation. I don't usually believe the deals are so good with informal mediation, but, um, but you could do real mediation. Um, he's saying you might get farther in your discussion if you have a neutral third party We found holding IEP meetings virtually a bit challenging because you can't see each other well or read each other's body language. Would you be willing to use a facilitator? Asterisk, don't blindly use breakout rooms. This hasn't happened to me yet. If things become heated during the meeting, resist the urge to place attendees in a breakout room while you talk to a single team member about the conflict. If the meeting is going off the rails, I wouldn't want to put the school team and the parents in the same room while they pull aside one person. Then everyone else is yelling at one another without me, he said. Debrief after a contentious IEP meeting. Take the time after the meeting to frankly discuss with school-based team members what the meeting looked like. Look at what the optics were. Maybe a teacher noticed a colleague's door was open behind him and saw his child walk by. Parents may view that as unprofessional or disrespectful of their privacy. Um, there's more, but but usually, um you want to stop me because you usually have comments so i'm pausing for your comments well you know this
1: is fascinating and i sort of this is so good that you're sharing this information because again i want to remind everybody this is stuff that school districts have written for themselves and other school districts as tips for them not tips for us but this is important stuff for us to know And it really, you know, I I keep thinking about that, that first one about, you know, the sort of take your take the the parent's temperature a couple of days before. And that's not a new trick. Um I don't know whether it was you or someone in your office who had told me early on that they were going to find the person that I got along with the most. And a couple of days before the IEP, that person would come sniffing around just to be like, hi, how are things going? you know, what are you thinking? And this very non-confrontational thing when I, at pick pickup mm-hmm. um, that was always a little contrived and it would freak me out because it would be the person that I trusted. Mm-hmm. It was you or somebody, it was you or someone in your office who said to me to have a plan of attack and to feed information to that person, knowing that they were going to go back to the team that if there was something that I was like, well, this is a real sticking point for me, this one thing, and I'm not gonna accept this, I'm only gonna accept this, that person would run back to the team and then my IEP went all the better for it. Um, But I was feeling betrayed. I'm gonna be very honest with you, Bonnie. I was feeling like this person on the team that I trusted, that that, and you, I think it was you that you were like, get over that, use it, use it to your, you know, uh, advantage and and let that person know the things that you want them to take back to the team. Let them uh, let them know that you know you're not going to accept this, but that you would accept this. It that always worked. So I think it's you I have to think.
0: Well, I think you make a good point, and I may have said that to you. And as you were talking, I thought about
1: my own dilemmas,
0: you know, daily, weekly, or whatever when you want to share stuff in advance and, and when you want to purposely hold stuff back. And sometimes we do purposely hold stuff back with the idea being that we don't want them to have too much time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I noticed last week on one of these chats that somebody sent me a, a message through the Zoom privately and I like a psychologist that was participating in the meeting and I wrote her back and said, you know, I wouldn't assume that this is private. Like it's the school district's technology. Wouldn't they be able to see the private chats? So anyway, I'll just keep going till you stop me. No, you okay. go ahead. Okay, don't forget idea requirements when conducting virtual IEP team meetings. <clears throat> IEP team meetings in the Crane, Texas Independent School District have engaged in virtual IEP team meetings using the Zoom app since March 19th. Sounds about right. Quote, it's almost more deliberate and more focused being online, said Shelly Garcia, the district special education director. So the top cheese, right? <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of times in person, there's sidebar talking. It's not disorganized, organized, but it has a tendency to go on longer than it has to. The Zoom meeting is more deliberate. Everybody takes their turns. So, yeah, I mean, you don't really see people doing that. They can't really, you know, I can't really go into your square over here and tell you something, you know? Right, right. Um, Just remember, you must ensure meaningful parental participation regardless of the way you conduct an IEP meeting. Call the parents before the remote meeting to lay the groundwork and step up the level of trust a notch, Garcia says. Also take these steps, one, Send prior written notice. It doesn't matter how you're conducting the meeting. You still have to send prior written notice in a reasonable time before the meeting. Scan the notice, which is just the meeting notice, and email it to the parent in addition to sending it to them via traditional mail. I don't know if anybody's doing mail these days. Also email and mail the draft IEP and other documentation. We still send them all the paper documents in the mail, but we're scanning and emailing the documents as well. just make sure you're meeting your confidentiality obligations under FERPA when you send the documents, this special ed director said. Address language needs. Well, this is this is for people that need interpreters. They're saying make sure you know that the need for interpretation is addressed. Show the working IEP document as you go. Allow the parents to see each part of the document on the screen as you discuss the IEP. If parents can only call into the online meeting, Rather than use video and audio, record the meeting and share it with the parent afterwards. Remind parents that you're recording at the start of the meeting. Afford parents a constant voice. Make sure parents are not muted at any point during the meeting. Uh, check in regularly to ensure they have not been dropped from the meeting or are having technical difficulties. Constantly ask them if they have questions or concerns. We want to give their input, them to give their input as freely as anyone else in the online meeting. They should be just as integrated into the online meeting as they would be into our traditional meetings in person. Review the meeting minutes, go over the minutes of the virtual meeting with everyone at the end and ensure everyone is in agreement and the administrator reads the assurance as she would in a traditional IEP meeting. Well, I don't ask for that because I always go over it afterwards and I'm usually gonna have a different characterization of things and corrections to that part of the meeting. Then when possible, this is new, have parents submit remote signatures for attendance. If not possible, seek their verbal agreement and write down that they participated by phone. Uh, Then email and mail everything to the parents. There has to be a level of trust that the school is inputting what the parents say she said. So that's that one. And like the next thing they're talking about, which we'll get to whenever you're ready, is plan now how to protect medically vulnerable students when schools reopen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a
1: very interesting world we live in. And I just wanna say to people, I've loved this week when um, a couple of people have posted things saying, let's just all remember that really nothing has changed. That we don't yet have a vaccine. We don't yet have a treatment. Mm -hmm. We don't yet have a whole lot of things. And we're still taking data on all of these things. And it's a long time between now and when school starts. And and so schools are, are doing, I think the absolute right thing where they are getting ready to potentially reopen if that's a possibility. But I hope and pray, Bonnie, that they're also looking at how they would beef, beef up their distance learning. Because no matter no matter if if something ginormous changes, there's still gonna be at risk kids that are gonna need that distance learning. And often they're the kids that that would be the most at risk in distance
0: learning to have a hard time coping. Well, so, that would be what we address whenever we, I'm assuming we're out of time. So this is what yeah, we'll, we'll do when we reconvene. I do think that there's a real issue about medically fragile students. We also know there's a, there's this new Syndrome, multiple multiple inflammatory system syndrome, for for some kids, and there's also a concern now that kids are going to get adults sick, you yep. know. So I mean, there are multiple issues to be worked out in the next. Um, yep, there's in- a lot to get through. So, but we thank you so much, and we'll take that up uh, next week. But
1: um, tell us again about Toner Law offices and where we can find you and them.
0: uh T-O-L-L-N-E-R law offices, Google us, we're on the web. We'd love to talk further with you if you're in the state of California.
1: Wonderful, Bonnie, thank you so much. And we hope that you get to go to any of those
0: of your favorite places sometime oh. soon and, and, and healthily and, and you know what, curious. somebody put, uh, there was a New York Times article, very nice article about beautiful books with a sense of place. And mm-hmm. um, I ordered those books to read as much oh. as reading
1: yeah there so, you go that's lovely. great summer
0: reading what yeah. a wonderful thing yes yeah. thank, thank you
1: so you. much for being with us we appreciate okay. you bye-bye day. have a great week Right. you too bye-bye uh we've only got a couple of minutes left here you guys and i want to deal with some of the things that you guys have written in somebody wrote in and said our autistic five and a half year old son is losing his toilet training uh he is is having accidents every day any suggestions and I will tell you that uh, while I always remind you that I'm not an expert in anything, I've been interviewing experts for the last 10 years in the field of autism. And I know the questions that they ask. And I know the first question that they would ask is what's changed? Now, I think a lot of times we assume we know, and you know he's probably spending a lot more time at home. Um, but I, But if you really look at it in depth and go look at all the things that have changed. I was just saying to somebody last night that I love my work. I absolutely love my work, but I love when the weekend comes. I love having a little bit more freedom and, you know, like I don't, I'm not scheduled and I'm not, you know, like I got to be here for this meeting and I got to be here for this show and I got to be here for this webinar. And I, I love the freedom of that, except that it doesn't work well for me. I'm just going to be honest that, you know, I have to take a fistful of pills that I have sitting here next to me. One of the things I do in my ritual before we start the show now is I put my fistful of pills here. And then as soon as we're done at 11 o'clock, I take the pills and it happens every day at the same time the weekend comes and guess who forgets to take her pills because the routine isn't there. Um, so you might be thinking, oh, you know, it's just because he's home but it might be a little bit more nuanced than that. It might be, well, you know, we're not keeping this little teeny tiny part of the schedule that was helping to prompt him. So a lot of times with autism, if something is there, if a skill is there and we lose it, we do big investigative, you know, looking at, okay, what changed, uh, what did we remove? What did we add? You know, everything, is he eating different? Um, so on and so forth. Right. But then a lot of times too, they will encourage you to go back to the last prompting stage that was working. So was he at the stage where, you know, you would, you set the timer and the timer would go off and you would say to him, okay, let's go to the potty. And that was working because if, if that was the last thing that was working before this, have you tried going back to the last thing? Because a lot of times it just sometimes, you know, a lot of times is that we move too fast. As parents, I don't know about you, but I, I just move too fast. I'm like, oh good, he got that. Let's move on to the next thing instead of settling in. I, you know, I have an, I have a new dog at home now, uh, but I have I have inherited one of Joanne Laura's dogs. He is sacked out right now. <laughs> He's here in the, stu- the makeshift studio with me. Um, but I'm having to learn that, you know, we're socializing him with our dog. My dog is Cujo, basically. And it's, you know, it's not going the way I want it to, because I want it to go faster. Everybody's fine. And, you know, we're going super duper slow, but I'm having to take a breath and say, you know, let's take a year to do this if we have to, but let's do it right and socialize them together in the right way. And sometimes as parents, we we just move a little bit too fast. So go back to the last thing that was working and see if that's still working um you know it's also possible that there's something um you know we've seen kids before break um potty training when they have a urinary tract infection so you want to make sure that he's healthy you want to make sure that there's nothing no trauma that has happened like has something scared him recently or you know investigate everything what has changed uh has the routine changed and and can you go back to the last time when it was working but obviously if if you try those things for the next couple of days we're having evelyn Kung on wednesday and she's the expert Whoo! so if if you try those things and it's not working please write to me tuesday night or wednesday morning and we'll make sure that your question gets on with evelyn but she'll ask those things so if you've already done those and have some information for her that would be super duper helpful for her i love that when you guys uh we're talking about what's your favorite place that somebody said that their daughter was uh, has been signing swimming. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, and we know that more and more pools are opening, depends on where you are, right? Uh, it's just like autism resources, it's different things for different places. So um, I hope that you guys are taking it slow. Uh, you know, we. We're, we're afraid of a second wave and, and I, I want you guys to be evaluating where you are with your kiddos and taking it super duper slow, wear your masks, right? Um, because our, our kids are sometimes medically fragile and we wanna be really, really careful. Okay, uh, I cannot believe that I, we have not had a chance to talk about what's happening here tomorrow. So. Tomorrow on the show we have Dr. Temple Grandin live she's going to be joining us right at the top of the hour we're not doing jargon. Right at the top of hour, temples going to be with us and she said she would like to be talking on a specific topic. Um, she's also agreed to join us um, once a month, so that we're going to regularly have her from now on we've had her sort of sporadically right. But she's committed at least, you know, while we're doing this isolation thing to at least once a month. Once she's back on speaking circuit, I can't guarantee anything. Um, But she'll be with us once a month and she's going to, we're going to pick a topic. But really, we picked the topic based on what you guys were writing in. So this month's topic is finding and feeding your child's passion. Like you guys keep, excuse me, writing in and saying, Okay, how do I find what my kid is really good at? What their passion is? How do I help them? How do I do that? So right now I'm taking questions. I'm going to moderate the questions. We probably will take some questions live, but, but mostly she wants to have the questions beforehand. So write to me right now, s.penrod at autism-live.com. And we want them to be questions about finding or feeding the, the child or the individual's passion. Okay, so you guys can be writing that to me and I'm gonna pick the ones to start with and Temple is gonna talk about that and answer some questions about that because A, it's what you guys were asking about and B, I think it's a subject that she's very, very passionate about and very capable. Um, I know that sometimes you guys write Temple questions because it's like she's brilliant and you wanna know her opinion on it, but. Um, One of the things that she said is that, you know, there are some questions that you really need to be asking a medical doctor. There's some questions that you really need to be asking an autism expert. And then there are some questions that are just like, perfect for her that are in her niche um, that are things that she can address. So that's where she would like to focus her energy uh, instead of bumming you out and saying, I really can't answer that because I don't have expertise in that particular area. So tomorrow, finding and feeding your child's passion with Dr. Temple Grandin. Send me questions. I also wanna remind you that as I said earlier, uh, Evelyn Kung will be here with us on Wednesday. On Thursday, we've welcomed back Yadira Calderon, whose birthday it is, I think, today. Happy birthday, Yadira. We so enjoyed having her on last week. We've invited her back for Thursday. And then on Friday, we are gonna have Matt and Nava Asner. She's Paskowitz Asner. Uh, but we're going to have them on the show with us to talk about what's going on over at the Ed Asner Family Center. Because they've if you have not checked out the classes, the free classes that they have going on over there, listen to me when I tell you, you're missing out entirely. Go over um, to on Facebook to the Ed Asner Family Center and check out, they have live shows every day that are classes or shows. They have uh, Corona Kitchen. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the things they are making over there just like boggles my mind. I've gained weight watching the show. I can't eat any of it because I'm gluten-free, dairy-free and mostly sugar-free, but like, you know, just watching it makes me gain weight. Um, But they have um, uh, a licensed therapist that, that does an hour and talking, answering questions and uh, they have yoga classes that parents can take with kids. They have art classes. You know, they're just killing it over there. So go to the Ad Asner Family Center on Facebook and we will have Matt and Nava on the show on Friday for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm so happy that I wore my crazy wacka noodle glasses, although I hate them. <laughs> I think they're very distracting. So we may not have them again. I don't know. It's going to depend. Please, everybody, keep Joanne Laura in your prayers. And we are going to be back tomorrow with Dr. Temple Grand. And until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.